This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. On this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, we talked to comedian Abby Sanchez will be joining us, and we're going to be talking about Puerto Ricans, but it's going to be clean. Yep, trust us. We're going to be talking about white people, but it's going to be very, very nice. Listen to Minutia Men Celebrity Interview on Spotify, OPI Shows, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable, and this is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Lou, in the last episode, I uh, laid that whopper on you that I was uh, going to be selling the uh, 1992 Corvette. And uh, just in case anyone uh, was wondering, too, one about the only unique thing about that car, actually, I learned two things when I was putting the sales info together, that apparently in 1992, that was the lowest uh, sales year for the Corvette since 1962, which is interesting because, yeah, because 92 was the first year that, you know, they put the LT1 in there and it just had a lot of things going for it. I'm not sure why um, the... uh, the sales numbers were, were that low, a uh, 30-year low, but they uh, made a little over 20,000 uh, vets that year, and uh, my color is black rose metallic, which is GM's code for purple, and they only made about 1,800 of the um, of the uh, C4s and 92 in that color, about 9.2% of total production. So if you're into, like, weird, rare colors, that's that's one of the selling points of, of that vehicle. And it's it's a nice shade of purple. It's It has a little bit of maybe reddish in it instead of like a deep it's not a plum crazy purple that's for sure you saw the car lou i don't know what what uh how you would describe the the black rose metallic but i i like how you said about 9.2 percent <laughs> <laughs> well 9.2 9.21 you know that's just an approximation <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. Um, but uh, I did say that I was going to let the cat out of the bag. Actually, and you might like this, Lou. I've never owned a Dodge before. I never owned any Mopar vehicle, actually. And <clears throat> for some crazy reason, I'm I'm um, has have gotten recently very interested in uh, Dodge Challengers. Um, you know, it was reintroduced about ten years ago. Uh, good, one of the first retro design you know modern muscle cars i guess is to say it comes in a lot of different flavors uh the car's been refined somewhat over the over the 10 years and i'm looking at the um the 392 scat pack um model and well let's go back a second yeah it's fine it's fine that you've never owned up you know you keep your cars for a long time so you know a lot of people love their brand what uh uh what converted you over to be interested Uh, well nothing converted me i just for some reason i just and it gets back to the things that i was talking about with the c4 that you know i just did the heater core and blah 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 and here i'm looking for a late model like actually 2019 or even maybe a new one just because of the fact that there is something about getting a new car with a warranty that you don't have to worry about you know dropping money on and i like the idea that you know this car 
represent represents a good value because obviously its competitors are Mustangs and Camaros. Um, the Mustang actually just does nothing for me. I considered the Camaro, but the Challenger is actually the best value of those three cars, I think. And um, it's a well-equipped car. It's got a great, you know, I'm looking, call me an old man again. I'm looking at it's just the uh, the automatic, but it's got that great uh, ZF eight-speed automatic, which is ubiquitous everywhere, but it's a great transmission. The 392 naturally aspirated engine, it's a 6.2 liter, uh, 475 horsepower. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a brute of a car. And, you know, the, the reviews I've, I've read um, seem to, to say that, you know, it's a big car. People say it's, it's, it's not exactly highly maneuverable in some respects. You know, the, the Camaro is probably a better track car. I don't track it. I don't drag it. I just want a kind of a, a modern, a truly modern muscle car for a change. And, you know, maybe in another week or two, I'll be off this kick, but I've actually been on it now for a few weeks and been looking pretty heavily into, you know, what, what is out there and what, what I could maybe work numbers wise. So nothing is set in stone yet, but it's something that I've definitely uh, been considering. And, you know, I know you've had a good experience with your Viper, even though the Viper and the Challenger are completely different animals. But it's just something that um, that I'm interested in. And, and again, we, we like to s- say this on the program. How many challengers, modern challengers, do you have on the channel, Louis? You probably have a Hellcat and a Demon, I would assume, right? I do have a Hellcat. I do have a Demon. Um, let, me, let me, though, uh, I want to jump into your challenger enjoyment uh, here. So, um, yeah. Poke a hole in my balloon, why don't you? No, 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 no. Actually, <laughs> quite the opposite. Um the, the the challenger uh versus a mustang um i've been in a couple camaros but but uh i'll i'll use the just those two sure the mustang clearly is uh and i'm saying this from an age standpoint if you're looking for something that is louder a little more you know tightly fitted around your body that's going to be the mustang oh yeah the Challenger, on the other hand, here's the thing that surprised me with every Challenger I've been in. The ride quality is comfortable. Hmm. The sound deadening in the thing, even if it's a Hellcat, is not that bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you drive a Hellcat at normal, you know, you're not stepping on it trying to, you know, do your quarter mile time. But if you're just driving it through the tolls and going on the ramps and driving it in the neighborhood, it's more it's, civilized. It's not just civilized. It's actually quiet. Now I want so, a loud car. <laughs> you know, so, um, uh, and let me define quiet. All right. So well, just, it's just, all relative. I mean, anytime you got a right. big honking V8 under the hood, it's going to make some noise. Well, yeah. So, but I'm, but I'm just saying that, that those are the things that surprised me about it. Meaning, mm-hmm. you know, I expected okay, I'm getting in a Hellcat, holy cow, you know, it's 707 horsepower. I mean, this is going to be, you know, raucous and, and loud and, and, and all of this. And I was, uh, and like a 392, like you're talking about, that's probably going to be a very enjoyable, drivable car that you can go nice long distances and enjoy yourself with. So I think for what you just said that you're interested in, and especially since you're selling the Purple Corvette, um, I think the things that you don't like about the Corvette, you know, trying to get out of it and, and oh, stuff yeah. like that. 
it would you know, be it, it would be answered with the with the challenger for sure. The, the yeah, the, the Mustang still. You know, there's no, you're not doing gymnastics to get out of a Mustang, but you know it's it's not a challenger. I mean, the challenger is going to have the big door and the get out. It's going to feel very comfortable, and your seats are up high. And yeah, it's and it's it's kind of like the old man's muscle car. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, the the one thing, and this doesn't bother me, but, you know, people, the, the one overwhelming thing that I've, I've read in a lot of reviews is they just say it's a big car. It's it's wide and it's, you know, kind of high and stuff. But that doesn't bother me. I mean, it's substantial, which is fine. I like something that's got some, you know, some weight to it. And and I just think it's, you know, it, it could be a really fun car. Um, I've, I've, I haven't driven any of the, the really new ones, but a couple of years ago, um, my cousin had bought one, and uh, he had the, the what I call the secretary model with the V6. But I actually took that out for a spin, and even with the V6, I was pretty impressed with that vehicle. And his was Destroyer Gray, which is just an absolutely awesome color. They don't offer it in 2020 anymore. That 2019 was the last year for the Destroyer Gray, but it's just a perfect shade of like just battleship gray. It's just a totally awesome color, um, but. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, like I said, I tend let me, to. Let me, let me, let me even tickle the tickle the uh, the topic for a second. <laughs> the other the other thing that you could do with Challengers and the same thing with Mustangs and Camaros is, and you just brought that to my attention as you were talking about the V6. Is there's some nice custom little packages out there, meaning that you know you could get like a GS uh, GSS Heritage Edition, which is oh, like yeah. No, so there's some there's some uniqueness if you choose to have it rather than just um, you know V six V six looks nice. They have a lot of different variations in the model line. They have the the, the base models which are the V sixes. Then they have the RT which is just the five point seven liter V eight. Then they have the Scat Pack which is the three ninety two. Then they have the Scat Pack, and this is really the one I'd like to define if I can, but I don't know if I can justify the price. It's the Scat Pack Wide Body, because I just love that wide body look. And then they have the Hellcat, the Hellcat Wide Body. Um, they have a 50th anniversary Scat Pack um, right now. Uh, and then some of the options, like you were saying, the customization. I'm not really looking to do any of that, but they have, you know, the shaker hood option. They have a lot of different uh, body stripings, things that you can do where you get uh, TA side stripes. You get a trunk stripe. Some of the packages, like the shaker package, gives you a black hood with a black wrap roof and trunk lid. And some of the colors, the color palette wasn't quite as extensive as I, as I thought, but they still have a couple of throwback colors. They have Go Mango, which is a bright orange. They have the this um, kind of gold gold rush, I think, is what they call it uh, for that 50th anniversary model. That's that's a color you can only get on that model. They have a color called cinnamon stick, which is very similar, actually, to the Sierra Gold of my 58 Impala, kind of a coppery color. Um, then they have, of course, black, white, silver, uh, graphite. They have two shades of blue, frostbite and indigo, and I'm kind of leaning maybe towards indigo, which is very close, I think, to the color of your Viper, uh, Lou, the, the kind of a the medium bright blue. And then um, 
they have octane red, which is uh, actually it's a red color. And I'm not crazy about regular red. They have tor red, which is the regular red. But then the octane red is a darker metallic red. And I, I do like metallic reds. And I'm kind of thinking that could be a really cool color, too. So that's where I stand right now. Like I said, who knows? In the next couple episodes, I might be saying, you know, I might throw something completely different at you. I might say I'm going to hold off and wait till the vet sells who knows but that's kind of my thinking right now uh where i'm where i'm thinking so i'm glad you're supporting me lou that's good you know you're being a mopar owner and and everything you brought up some good points and and uh definitely kind of um you know jives with most of the uh, information that i've been reading about uh, a dodge challenger so uh, that's good. And I uh, also wanted to always just talk about the cars that uh, we see in our daily uh, travels. Caught a couple of interesting ones lately. This one is always nice to see an original um, early, late 60s, early 70s uh, Chevy Suburban. This was, I believe, probably about a 1970 Suburban. It looked original in stock. It was a nice, uh, just that, that one kind of medium blue that uh, Chevy made back then, a 4x4 Suburban. That looked great. A 1970 blue Mustang looked nice, clean in stock. And then, not exactly my taste, I love the car, the uh, Mercedes-Benz G-Wagon. Uh, you can never go wrong with that. But this one was lime green with gold rims. And I'm thinking it had to have been a wrap. I don't think it was. I know that's not a factory color. Um, so I'm thinking it was probably a wrap on there with the gold rims. But, um, I mean, you know, whenever you see a G-Wagon on the road, it, it attracts enough attention. Do you really have to have it wrapped with lime green uh, vinyl? <laughs> It's like a highlighter green almost, you know, it's just, it was interesting, but, um, those are some of the cars I've seen. Go ahead. I saw, I saw both ends of the spectrum. I saw a, uh, this weekend, I saw a relatively newer Ferrari, like a 488. Mm-hmm. Uh, what color? Spider, spider, the top, uh, uh, red, of course. Okay. And, uh, um, you know what, come to think of it. I saw a red one, and I saw a the red one did not have the the uh, convertible top, but the convertible top was actually a black one. Okay. And then and then running through town was a '57 uh, Chevy uh, four door, in kind of that uh, very uh, not lime green like you're talking about, but a very light, uh, almost faded looking green hmm. uh, coming down the street. Okay. That was kind of interesting. And driven by, could you tell who was driving the the fifty seven? Was it? Uh... You know what? I was actually counting the doors. I was like looking at oh. who was going by me. So I. And just so you know, ladies and gentlemen, Lou is a two door guy like me. So. Yeah. So I, I as I went past it, I was counting the doors and thinking, ah, that would be one I wouldn't get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that feeling. I'm a I'm a I'm a two door guy too. Two door hard tops as much as possible, and if it's not a hard top, it still has to have two doors because the price goes up when the doors go down. That's basically what they always say. Uh, but anyway, if you like what you're uh, hearing on the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, and we certainly hope that you do, you can check us out on Spotify. Go to opishows.com. That's O-P-P-I-H shows.com. You can uh, also find us online at radiomisfits.com. You can follow us at Car Guys Report. Uh, Co- yeah, let me start again. Car Guys Podcast on Twitter, of course, email. And, uh, you know, we say it now like six times an episode, and I think it's finally getting drilled into Lou's head car guys report at hotmail.com is our email address and you know Lou one of the casualties of 
of our lifestyle of uh, thanks to the pandemic has been the uh, basically we're devoid of car shows uh, this summer and uh, we're all we're trying to figure out what to do. Maybe it's a good time to plan ahead with uh, car shows and things like that. And I came across this a while back online, and it came from Hot Rod Magazine. And I just thought it was interesting because they're just saying 10 ways to put on a great hot rod car show. But I think most of what they said here transcends to any kind of car show. It doesn't have to be just specifically hot rods. Um, Back in my um, radio career, just a couple of years ago, I actually put a proposal together for uh, having our radio station, because I thought it'd be a good idea, having our radio station uh, sponsor a car show. And it, it was very similar to the information that was presented in this article. And I just wanted to run by... Um, some of the things and you can you know i know you go to a ton of car shows you go to the big ones too like carlisle and things like that and you can chime in whenever you want to to see if you agree or disagree with these items but um some of the things they talk about secrets not really secrets but just things you really have to consider when you're putting on a car show and first is organization and that that's the biggest one for me um you have to figure out uh, just the just the logistics behind it, where you're going to hold the car show, who's going to work the car show. Um, so many times it just seems like sometimes they don't they never have sometimes they don't have enough uh, uh, people working a car show. I've, I've stood in a registration line for 45 minutes in blazing hot sun just to, to give them my 15 or 20 bucks and get your your plaque that you fill out and put on your on your uh, windshield so that's some of the things and and, and uh, the the venue is is incredibly important because it has to have easy ingress and egress for cars it can't be too far away but you don't want it to be too far into where you know there's civilization so to speak because you want a little bit of room to spread out but then you've got to have access to you know bathrooms and and maybe some concessions if they're not going to set up concessions on site um, a lot of things like that um, another thing that's crucial is, you know, getting the word out. Uh, we've all been to car shows, Lou, where, you know, you walk away for your car, from your car for half an hour to go get lunch. You come back and you've got, you know, 10 or 15 flyers sitting on your front seat, <laughs> um, promoting the next car show, wherever it may be, because sometimes there's just people from other car shows, walking car shows to promote their car show. Um, and that's a great way to do it, but, uh, there's so many different ways. There's social media. There's, you know, you could, you could have, if you're a club, you know, you do it on your website. If you have a mailing list with a club, do it the old fashioned way, send out a postcard to, to your membership and to other people that may have previously come to a car show. You know, all the times when you fill out your name and your address and stuff, it's like, Oh, I hope they're going to do something positive with this. And lo and behold, you might get a, a flyer in the mail saying, hey, our car show is coming up this year. I hope you can be there. So that's crucial is getting the word out because nothing – I always say the worst thing is a car show when it rains. But then I also say, you know, a car show is not a car show unless you have a good turnout too because sometimes you feel f sorry for somebody who's trying to get a car show off the ground and they only have maybe 10 or 20 cars there and you're like, this could be good if you – promoted it more and, and got it going so that's definitely one of the things they talk about and then they're saying what cars can come are you going to have a restrictive type thing where it's like you know 25 years and older or um are you going to allow any kind of car in i kind of like the ones where it's just like any make any model just 
you know, whatever you have, bring it out because at least you're supporting the hobby. Even if you have a rust bucket Maverick or, or something, you know, bring it out and, and, and just show it and have some fun. I mean, I think that's the best thing to do. A couple other things they uh, talk about in this article from Hot Rod on putting on a good car show is watching the clock. Uh, they should have uh, clearly defined hours when it's going to be open to spectators, when registration is allowed, when cars can start parking and coming in. Because that's one thing I do dislike about some of the car shows because they get so crowded that it seems like invariably you're coming to these car shows earlier and earlier just to get there and, and hopefully get a good parking spot. And sometimes... I'm picky about where I want to park my car at a car show, mainly because I, and we've talked about this before, Lou, is I always want to be away from like the music and the speakers and stuff, because nothing's worse if you're, if, if they're parking you and they guide you right in and you're right, right by the speaker blaring out music where it, it just ruins the whole show. And sometimes they park you, sometimes you can park anywhere. If they're parking you, ask them, you know, can I park over there instead of here? Whatever, but uh, definitely um, something that organizers should be aware of, too, when they're um, bringing people in in their cars and parking them. What about awards? How do you feel about awards at a car show, Lou? I've been to car shows where they hire, you know, where they announce maybe only just have like a best in show. Other ones, they have tons of different categories. Sometimes they have too many categories. Sometimes they have so many categories, but there's always grievous omissions in my book, uh, mainly because I tend to drive imports. And a lot of times there's just like one import class or no import classes, but then there'll be best 60 to 62, 63 to 64 hard tops. You know, it's like, Come on. You know, how do you feel about that? Well, I want to jump in on a couple yeah, of Yeah, jump in any time. I'm going to answer your question the on water the water is one. fine. <laughs> I, I'm not a huge fan of the award, and here's the reason. Why. Yeah. One, one is somebody's going to get frustrated. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's not... Uh, uh, and the opposite of that is if you give out too many awards, like you're talking about, you know, it's like you're, a participation you're, award. <laughs> yeah, then all of a sudden it becomes a little kid uh, uh, um, ball. You know, yeah. everybody scores. Every, there's no outs. Everybody runs across the plate. We all cheer, and and that's not realistic either. So, if you're going to have an awarded show and you're going to play the game like, and I'll use a, a good awarded show like the World of Wheels. Okay, there's eight. You know, there's eight. Eight people are going to be the top eight, and we're going to set the bar so high that you know you're going to have to do something incredible to impress us. So this way, everybody kind of knows the game, as well as something you said earlier. I like a show where bring your car. You know, that's good enough to go. Now there should be some barriers on that, meaning that uh, I have definitely seen some car shows that uh, they've brought some cars in, and I'm like, that's not even a good junk car. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know. Well, then they old. say it's a restoration in progress. <laughs> but, it, 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 you know, it, it's, it, it, the progress is obvious. But, uh, but, uh, no, I know what you're uh, talking about. You know, so, so sometimes you, you uh, have to put some kind of barrier in there. But I do agree with you that, um, 
uh, being a YouTube person, um, the music uh, kills the video because it says you don't own the rights to that song. And the other reason why I'm not a huge fan of music at a car show is because that's another one of those things like awards, you're going to start to frustrate people. If yeah. you like country and I like rock and roll and somebody else likes pop, you never really seem to have the right blend. And when you finally get the song they're excited about, then you frustrate them when the next song comes out and it's not that same Genre. And you can so, only hear the Beach Boys fun, fun, fun so many yeah, times before you pull your yeah, hair out. Yeah, but, you know, until your daddy takes the fever yeah. away. Right? So, um, yeah, I, you know, it, it, the car show, let, let, let me add a couple of things that I would add to a car show if I was having one, or the My Car Story car show. And I'm not talking about the online version. Uh, you brought up something that's absolutely a kill to a car show. It's if the weather's bad. That ends it right away because nobody goes, nobody says, okay, hey, I just polished my car so I could take it out on a cruise to completely get it, de- you know, destroyed by uh, weather and dirt and grind. Unfortunately, you don't have a control over that half the time, though. You know, it's just. Well, yeah, that that is true. But you, a lot do have... say rain or shine. You know, right. some shows have rain dates, some don't, so. Yeah, so when you say rain or shine, I'm just speaking for myself. It's very rare that if I took the night before to polish my car. Oh, yeah, you're not going to bring it out in, in rain. Right, right, and it, and it starts to rain. I'm That's going to be a day I'm at home because, I'm, you know, it's just not going to happen. So, Especially, too, we've um, all been to car shows, too, where even if it rained, like, the night before, like the, one of the shows I was at last year, the the weather for the actual car show day was perfect, but it had rained heavily like the night before and two nights before. So where they were parking a lot of the cars, and they were somewhat cognizant of this, the field was just soggy. And there were cars that were not quite getting stuck, but getting somewhat mired down in soggy, muddy kind of sod and getting dirty. And I remember I pulled in and they said, you know, the field's pretty pretty soft right now. Do you want to park farther up on on asphalt? And I said, for sure. Yeah, I don't want to drive through the you know the muck in the field to to show my car. So yeah, that that can be a, a big killer. A lot of times is like you said, if you just spent a lot of time, especially too here in the Midwest, we get variable weather. I mean, it can it can be a nice day at ten o'clock in the morning when you go to the car show, and by three in the afternoon, it could be hailing. You know, you just never know. So that's yeah. why I'm always like, I got my eyes glued on that radar um, right. way before a car show and even during a car show if, if there's any chance of rain because sometimes people start packing up early and leaving. So Yeah. So so to, to sum it up and to stay in the glass half full, um, it, you know, if it's a nice day, you know, you can somewhat schedule that by trying to get a show in June or July or August uh, or September in Illinois. Uh, obviously, in other parts of the country, you might have better weather, and it's a little easier to plan. Uh, but there, there's some of the pieces right there. Uh, you know, there, you're not going to have in Illinois a uh, car show in January, that's for sure. So, um, <laughs> unless indoor, I always thought that somebody should. Yeah, I, I know the big indoor ones like the World of Wheels and things like that. But if some club or something just wanted to do some kind of indoor car show, it doesn't have to be at a convention center. If it could be like at a gymnasium or something, I think that'd be really neat. But I don't know. The logistics, I think, would just kind of preclude that from ever happening. It's tough to get the cars out. Uh, there's a great, uh, the best muscle car show on the planet is the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals, which is the week before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And sadly, there's been a few dot times that that show 
is on and it's quote unquote driving day before the show starts and they're bringing in either trailer cars or actual cars that took, you know, are on the road going there and it snowed and, you know, and it's, you know, these people are still super committed to getting their car there, but it's clearly a challenge uh, just from a a fat tire on sloshy pavement to uh, with uh, you know 800 horsepower to try to get the thing in there. It's like you know riding a wild bucking bronc. So, um, but but again, the things I would do is pick a good month. Uh, if you pick the right venue, you know, with a parking lot rather than a than a lawn. Yeah, uh, that's a good idea. Uh, if you eliminate the music, you know what? People are going to find out that they talk about. Guess what? Cars. I know. I always cars. think that you don't go to a car show for the music. For the music. You go for the right. cars and for the camaraderie. And right. if anything, music is third or fourth down the list. You know, right. if it's that. Distracting. Yeah. yeah. So, so find a nice parking lot. Find someone who will allow it. And uh, uh, and that could be. You know, you could be at a. A uh, Home Depot, Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Uh, yeah, I've been uh, to shows in like a Walmart parking lot that was sponsored by the Walmart. Walmart right. And a Walmart it wor- parking yeah, lot. Yeah, worked uh, great. And, uh, and the nice thing about that, too, and it kind of gets into one of these other things, is is food. Because, you know, a lot of car shows, if they're held at a maybe like at a restaurant that has parking, then your food problem is solved. But if it's held even at a place like a Walmart or you're saying Home Depot because they sell hot dogs, <laughs> um, you know, food's not a problem. Other than that, you have to start bringing vendors in or food trucks in, which is fine. But it, it's another thing that people have to contend with and figure out. Um, and, I, and I think this is very onerous, though, too. And I've only seen a couple of car shows do this. I don't think I've ever gone to one that says that. But there are some car shows that I've seen on the flyer that that apparently – are trying to prevent you from bringing in your own food, like no outside coolers. And I don't know if they're afraid to, that people are trying to bring in like alcohol, but it's like, come on, you can't prevent me from bringing in, you know, usually I'll buy a hot dog or something at a car show, but I also bring you know, some snacks. I bring some fruit and some nuts and some water and stuff. And it's like, how can you prevent somebody from bringing in their own food or drink? Yeah, you know, I, I, water? I, I think that should, I think that should be encouraged to make it a family like environment. Yeah. And um, yeah, so so those would be some of my tips. And, and then you you mentioned something else that I totally agree with. You got to keep the schedule on time. Yeah, I mean, you got to move things along. I mean, I've been at shows where they don't start announcing stuff till like five thirty for 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 awards. And I'm like, come on, we've been here all day. Yeah. So so and that's another reason why I'm not a fan of awards because yeah. then you're then you're forced to stay. You know, oh, Uncle Pete, Uncle Pete, I hope your car wins. I hope your car wins. And now you, you get there, and then you don't get the trophy. And, and or there's 32 categories game. before your category. <laughs> yeah. Sit through all that. And the other, the only other thing I'll say about awards is a lot of it tends to be like, you know, if you're in the club or, or you know Joe and Frank, and they're going to vote for your car, and you're going to vote for their car, and it's all this peer stuff. And right. Let me... Let me give you the last thing that I would do, and I, I apologize. I, I no, go ahead. That's... The last thing is you need proper spacing yeah. around the car. Yeah. If you give people, you know, there's nothing worse than where you're you're at a car show and they're forcing you in these diagonal slotted spots, <sighs> and you can't get a, a you know somebody's gonna have a baby carriage, guys. So you gotta make sure you got room on both sides. Well, even so just opening your doors. You yeah. know, I mean, your Viper has pretty big doors on it. My Pontiac, my Firebird has enormous doors on it. 
And um, and I know you're looking at it from the standpoint of when you would shoot a video, but you need room to maneuver around a car too to look at it and and, and shoot it. But I totally agree with you. Yeah, have the the most ideal spacing if they have enough space is is one car empty spot, one car empty spot. That's perfect because yeah. then you have tons of space around every car. No one's going to be. You don't have to worry about anyone ramming into your car like you said with a with a stroller or or whatever and uh sometimes they just don't have the space to do that but that is a very crucial thing and i totally agree with you on that uh another so, you know you could take your lawn chair out of the back of your trunk yeah sit down comfortably with your friend or so sit around talk about the cars walk around look at all the cars you know etc so if you give people uh the the visual space to look at your car you give people the opportunity to chat. You set up a time that's not, by, by the way, you, you don't do it as an all-day show. No. Be people done by 3 o'clock. Today, people today just don't have that kind exactly. of time. No, you're right. So, so if, it's, if it's a 9 o'clock show, even if you ended at noon, that's fine. You gave people three hours. They, they had the mental bandwidth to know what the time frames yeah. were. And uh, I've seen, let me give you some ones that I really like. There's, 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 uh, um, they call them cars and coffee. Yeah. That's, that's the ideal. Yeah. You get it around seven, give it enough space to move around. You don't have to have music. There's no trophies. People now have the second half of their day to do what they need to do at home, whether it's mobile on or garden or take the kids somewhere or go to the museum or do whatever you're going to do or go to the sporting event. You haven't killed the whole day. You've got your car fixed in. That's the most important thing. I feel I got my cars in. <laughs> no, it is totally. And, and yeah, and and, and um, you know, for us car guys, um, I'm going to use this term. It's car sex. We go. We have our jollies. <laughs> we, calm, we calm down, and now we can go through the rest of our weekend normally. <laughs> but if you wreck that, yeah. You know, which is, you know, it's all day and all of a sudden what should be our car sex is supposed to be fun. And now you turn it into it's a work. chore. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I... then that then it then it, 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 you know, the last and here's the summary. The cherry on the Sunday is it has to be three letters. F U N. If it isn't fun, <laughs> then it, it it's wrecked. It's wrecked an afternoon for it. Yeah. Cars have, have got to be. For car guys or car girls, you know, we have we have eight on the YouTube channel. We have eight percent of our audience is women. So for you, just car eight, girls, not eight point two. It's uh, eight, yeah. It's great. <laughs> so, so for for uh, our our car girls, you know, they enjoy that too. You know, they get the chance to 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 get that in. So. Um, it needs to just be enjoyable. I'll, I'll, I'll no, I, it. Yeah, overall, I mean, I'll just run through the, the last couple of things they're talking about it on the, on the hot rod list here on how to put on a good car show. Uh, and this is something, I don't want to get into a big discussion on it, but they said to have vendors. Vendors are fine, but the thing that really ticks me off is when, when you go, and, and I've noticed this at like, even like cruise nights or even like cars and coffee, depending on, on where it is and how big it is, is... When you start having companies that have nothing to do with cars, I mean, you'll have like AT&T will set up a booth for their cell phones or whatever. Sure, you might have an insurance booth, like the local state farm agent might come out and have a booth. But then you have like chiropractic companies and you'll have, you know, pellet stoves and just all kinds of weird stuff. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with car shows. So why are you 
here. You're taking up space in the parking lot or wherever. And that that's just, I've been some of those places. It's like, they're just not adding anything. They're taking away that fun factor, Lou. I'm telling you. Well, speaking of that, like it, 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 one of the car shows, Barrett Jackson, very popular. It's out in Scottsdale. A lot of people go, well, they have tents. Well, the first tent is a good tent. The first tent is, I call it the car show tent. And the car show tent has all of the major brands featuring their super cool cars. So Ford will have Mustang or Ford GTs and and, uh, Dodge will have uh, the Challenger or, you know, uh, uh, Hellcat. Uh, Ford will have a Mustang. Um, You know, Chevy will have Camaro. All the fun cars, you know, and then they have some exotic cars there that have, you know, Ferrari's got their latest thing. Great. The next tent you go into is what I call flea market. Yeah, exactly. And you're and you're literally walking by and you're going, why is there a mattress company here again? <laughs> exactly. Well, why are they selling belt buckles? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, why are macrame? They selling, <laughs> why are they? Yeah, why are they selling a purse distributor location? You know, I mean, so why the flea market after the cool stuff? I've got no idea, but. If you eliminate that tent, I mean, I understand food, food, you know, and they make it a separate outdoor area. Beautiful. Great idea. Cars here, food there. One reason vendors are there, though, is some of them, I think, not all of them, but obviously a place like Rare Jackson, they're paying to be there. So it's it's an income revenue stream, obviously. But um, I think that, yeah, I don't think that uh, vendors that don't have anything to do with cars or even vaguely related to cars like wood pellet stoves or whatever, they shouldn't be there. They just take away from it. And at least in the uh, description or the example that you gave us, you can avoid that though, right? Because it's not mingled in, it's not mixed in with the other stuff. So it's yeah, separate. So I you think, can just think, walk right yeah, past I it. That, I think that the top car show right now, the, for the bang for the buck, for the fun factor, is a is a Cars and Coffee. Yeah. Yeah, I would, got, I would agree. You go, there's no music, you enjoy the cars, you walk around, there's no awards, everybody's just here to look at each other's car, nobody's in competition, you know, it's not Pebble Beach where, you know, I did this and there's only, you know, this is a one of five Cadillac, you know, produced by the chairman of the board of Cadillac, you know, I mean, there's none of that, so everybody's just at even ground, and that's... That's where everybody just gets old. Yeah, I, I, I would uh, basically tend to agree with you 100% because I really have grown to enjoy the, the cars and coffees for all the reasons that, that you have mentioned. And um, I'm looking forward to, you know, the, the time and date, whenever that will be, that, uh, you know, they start happening again, of course, with regular car shows, too. Okay, Lou, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll be right back. This is Minutia Man. <laughs> <laughs> It's the Ann Friends Takeover. We are taking over Minutia Men this week. Rick yeah. and Dave are away, and the friends will play. That's right. We've kicked Rick out and fed Dave Chobani yogurt. I've just kind of come along for the ride. There's not usually a female, but this time, there will be. Tune in for Minutia People. <laughs> so listen to Ann Friends taking over Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, storytelling about old stars, <laughs> old songs, a lot of lyrics, and a lot of this and that. <laughs> I don't want to grab the young folks. 
<laughs> it should. It'll grab somebody on the next Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Listen to Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. And we're back. A couple other items on this list was one about music, and like we already talked about that. I would say no or very minimal. And then this is another one, too, that I can kind of go back and forth on. Uh, car show fun and games, whether you're having a pinstriping demonstration or games for the kids or valve cover races, things like that. Yes and no. I mean, when I used to do the uh, go to the orphan car show here in the Chicago area that ended about five years ago, they ran it for 25 years. That was a really cool show because it was for orphan cars, very loose definition of an orphan. It was held for many years. It was held on private property so they could do whatever they want. And they just really made it like a party atmosphere because they had uh, grills going. They had free beer, free pop. They had games for the kids. They had goodie bags. It was just a a lot of fun and i think games for the kids fit into an atmosphere like that but if you're just doing something to kind of like well here's our car show and well if you brought your kids and they're not in your cars here's you know uh cornhole they can play in the corner or whatever so i go back and forth on that and then like pinstriping demonstrations and things like that nah, i don't need to see that at a car show you know i'll get my fill when i go to the body shop and talk to talk to my body and fender guy about whatever and then of course we already talked about this is you know you need to have good bathrooms whether it's a porta potty or whatever but hopefully the, the the cleaner the better and easily accessible so you don't have to walk like two miles to get to the john right <laughs> are you Those there are, yeah 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 i'm here um <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Obviously, a bathroom is helpful. I mean, uh, uh, that that's you know, at at some points, critical, right? <laughs> well, even a cars and coffee. I mean, you know, you drink enough of coffee at a cars and coffee, and you're going to yeah. have to uh, to lighten up before you go home. So, sure. Yeah. But anyway, just I, I thought that most of the stuff they 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 really did hit all the points, though, pretty much in that in that article. And I was glad to see it. And hopefully, uh, if people are planning a car show or whatever, uh, or looking to make their car show uh, better, uh, they should uh, definitely consider some of those points because I think they were uh, very salient um, things to uh, to bring up and to discuss, as we just did here on the Car Guys Report. I also wanted to uh, very quickly go over something that I found from Consumer Reports. I don't really tend to pay that much attention to Consumer Reports just because I'm the kind of person that kind of decides what I want and I do my own research and things like that. But there are a lot of people that depend on a place like Consumer Reports to say, oh, well, you should really do this or you should really do that, which is fine because there's not everyone is into cars like we are, and especially with this topic, something we've covered here and there before on the uh, Car Guys Report, Lou, and it's a lot to do with the a lot of the features that cars are available that are available on cars these days. And this is a must have what car uh, Consumer Reports feels are must have safety features on cars these days and one of them is automatic emergency braking um i don't know if i agree with that that's where if something comes out in front of your car the car will actually apply the brakes on its own and it's funny because <clears throat> i watched the show motor week i've been watching that for years and they show how they test the uh, automatic braking and they have kind of like an inflatable uh f like car rear end that just 
it's it's big balloon or big cushion at the end of the track and they approach this thing at whatever like 30 miles an hour and the car detects it and puts on the brakes but every time you see the the video you see the guy that's in the car and he's not applying the brakes but you see him clench up on the steering wheel because it's just a natural reaction because you don't think the car is going to stop in time but it does and to me that would be really disconcerting to, to to have that feeling because it's just a natural reaction i don't think you would really ever get used to the car just slamming on brakes on its own and hopefully not hitting anything but uh forward collision warning again that kind of goes along with automatic emergency braking uh blind spot warning and alert again we've talked about that uh consumer reports thinks it's important but to me it's annoying you see that light come on in the mirror uh even when you're in the car that that next to the car that's detecting you you see that light come on and and you know, whatever happened to the old shoulder check, I still do that. That's what we learned in driver's ed. You do the old shoulder check before you change lanes or to see if somebody's in your blind spot or, or have your mirrors adjusted properly, and you'll probably see most of it. But my biggest complaint, and I don't want to get up on a soapbox here, is the fact that all these supposed safety features, I think, are diminishing people's capacities as drivers because they'll think, oh, well, I don't have to pay attention because my car will stop automatically or my car will tell me if there's something in, in the lane next to me so I don't have to look. I just go. And I think it's a lot of it is false, you know, hopes because it's becoming obvious that all these safety features don't always prevent, don't always work the way they should and always don't prevent real accidents either. And I think it's a lot of it is, is the people just thinking the car is going to handle it and, you know they don't have to worry about it anymore and that's why i liked like with the uh the challenger looking at the uh packages that you can get one of them is um it's like a driver technology package and it's got the crap like the blind spot warning I'm like i don't want any of that so i'm not going to get it but you well, know I, i'm going to i'm going to jump in <clears throat> um we're dumbing down the drive we are exactly but, but there's a reason for that, and I'll give you a perfect example. So I'm with my 15-year-old son who has his driver's ed license now, so he's not eligible yet to get his uh, driver's license, but he is eligible to be in the driver's seat if I'm sitting in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. But here's my point. So we're watching The Last Dance, and you're thinking, so what does The Last Dance with Michael Jordan and the Bulls have to do with driving <laughs> and the topic we're talking about? So Michael Jordan shoots his very last shot as a Chicago Bull against Utah, and he drains the shot, and he has this kind of pose, and the shot is at 5.6 seconds, I believe it is. Maybe it's 6.6 seconds. But the, sh- the point is, then they show the famous shot is actually behind my, it's 5.6 seconds to be very specific. If they show the shot from a distance and they show the reaction of the crowd. Mm-hmm. And here's the reason why I'm bringing this shot. Okay. Why we're talking about this. I said to my son, what do you notice in that picture? He's like, I don't know. What are you talking about Dad?" I said, how many people have cell phones? He goes, wow, none of them. Yeah. Cause that was in the nineties. Late, it was 98. Late, mid to well, late 90s. Are, it was 98. Yeah, yeah 98. So here we, are, here we are, you know, 22 years later, and the reason why we have these safety features is because we have dumbed down the capacity to pay attention to anything else other than our phone. You're right, yeah, distracted driving. 
so so if we're going to admit that the drivers are distracted, and they do, and I am, I mean, I hear a text come off of my car, bing, I have a tendency to look at it, right? I mean, you're like, who's, who's contacting me? Some, something must be urgent. Oh, my gosh, I heard a bing. Well, you and called me on the way to the Car Guys Report warehouse today. You said, I'm ready to go. And I said, well, I'm not there yet. So, <laughs> yeah, hands-free, of course, but still, yeah, I know but, what you're saying. So, So now we're able to... You know, and let's use that as an example. In 98, uh, you know, you still had cell phones, but not as many as you do now. Um, you know, and it wasn't it wasn't looked upon where it is now. I mean, if you're uh, the age of 30 or below, you don't know of pretty much not of having a cell phone in your hand since you were, you know, you started to drive. Yeah. So we've got to put some safety features in place. I'll call it to help us help us. Well, of course, you know, you're looking at the, at this from the perspective of a parent, too, which I cannot do because I, I don't have kids and you do. So it's 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 good to see the the perspective that you're coming at this from. And it makes sense. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, it does. It does. I mean, we both agree that the driver is being dumbed down and. Uh, what is the solution to that? I don't know, because I think a lot of this stuff is is only going to continue to increase on cars. And, and the, the other thing that we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of these so-called advanced safety features being available now in much lower priced cars. I mean, originally they, they were only in like the you know luxury cars like Cadillacs and Mercedes and BMWs. And now you're seeing them in Hyundais and Kias and, you know, low end Nissans and, and all, all that kind of stuff. So it's becoming much more pervasive too, which I don't think again is a good thing because people are getting used to that. But well, I, I've been saying this for years. What is a luxury on some cars becomes a necessity 10 years later. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I remember on um, uh, my wife's Jaguar, which is actually now 10 years old, there was this little light between um, the two, I'll call them push-button feature lights on your roof, mm-hmm. that, that was this little, like, baby LED yeah. that it was so dim, that, that but at night... It illuminates it was, your center console. Exactly. Yeah. Just in such a nice, yep. glorious way that it doesn't distract. Now that's on every car. Yeah. But I, I know what you're saying, because when I bought my Infinity almost 10 years ago, it had the same thing. And I'm like, what the heck is that? And then at night, bam, it's there. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, for example, my, my wife's car has uh, uh, the hand warmer uh, for the steering wheel. Oh, yeah. Heated wheels. Awesome. You know, and, and and now you have uh, fans in the seats mm-hmm. to cool to cool your rear end yep. when it's hot out. Um, you know, because holy crap, that leather could be hot. So <laughs> you know, we continue to take what was. Um, you know, I, I'll give you just a couple of them right off the bat. That that this will be a surprise, and this goes back to the dumbing us down. Not only are we going to dumb us down, but I've been in a Mercedes and I've been in a Bentley where they massage you. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you're riding, all of a sudden you can decide, not only massage you, but you can decide, Mark, what type of massage you'd like. <laughs> the, you have a, you, you have a variety of shihatsu choices. Shihatsu massage. I don't think we find a shihatsu massage in a Bentley, though. But <laughs> Yeah, so you can, you know, you can, so there's different, you know, and, and, I, and it wouldn't surprise me 10 years from now if every seat isn't accompanied with a, uh, 
you know, massage rolling balls under the seat. Yeah. That, uh, that, well, that, even Mercedes has heated armrests now in their cars, too, that you can get the door panels, you know. And I think that's really? a great idea, too. And that's a that's a playoff. The, you know, OK, we've heated the steering wheel. We've heated the seat. What else can we heat? Well, let's do the armrest. So your arm will be nice and warm. I mean, yeah, that, well, here's the fun part about it, too. You know, that's something that, um, you know, I, I haven't heard that. This is the first time I'm hearing it. I mean, it, um, you know, that's the beauty of the ingenuity is that we keep thinking of better ways to build a mousetrap. Yeah. And, and of course, too, the, the more pervasive this stuff gets, the cheaper it gets to incorporate it. And that's why you're seeing it in a lot of lower-end cars now, too, because the, the software and the, and the manufacturing of the software and the hardware has, you know, become reliable and efficient. And, you know, just cost efficiencies have a lot to, to go into it as well. I um, wanted to talk about a couple more things that Consumer Reports says that uh, as far as safety features. Now, these are... Nice to have safety features, not must haves, but nice to have. And they say one is automatic high beams. Now I have that on my Mercedes, and I didn't know what to make of it at first, but it's actually kind of cool because uh, at night, you know, your your headlights are on, and if the car thinks it's dark enough ahead of you with no oncoming traffic, it kicks the high beams on, and it's just something instead of having to sit there and either with the stock in a in a modern car or a foot pedal on the floor like my 58 Impala, you don't have to sit there and clicking on and off all the time with the high beam. So it's a nice convenience thing to have. I could go either way on it, but I do have it, so I've experienced it. Another thing they say is rear cross-traffic warning. Now, that's when you're um, looking at your... Uh, rear view camera and you're backing up and if there's a car let's say you're backing out of a parking spot and there's a car that's coming along it's not stopping your car detects that car coming in in its path and gives you a warning um i think that can be useful um at times uh sometimes it's hard to see when you're especially if you have like a big pickup truck or something parked next to you and you can't really see what's going on so you just kind of inch out slowly so that must be you know something that's fairly fairly useful and that's why they say it's a nice to have and then they have convenience features and this is kind of transcending some of the things we were talking about android auto and apple carplay are just you know de facto must-haves i think now Uh, and this is one thing i'm glad they they brought this up and this is another thing that we've talked about from time to time on the program here lou is actual physical knobs for audio and climate control systems and i think that is very very important because a lot of times you don't have the choice, though. Your car either comes with a totally integrated HVAC system and an audio system where where it may or may not have knobs, but you don't have a, you know, there's not a checklist on the option list like, you know, knobs for radio. You know, oh, yeah, I'll take that. But I think they're just telling you to look for that. And if your car had the car that you're considering has it, it's a good thing. And I'm totally all over that because I always want to be, have there be redundancy in the way that you can do something with the radio and the climate control, not just the touch screen or not just a knob, but both or things on the steering wheel, things like that. A couple other things they mentioned as nice to have convenience features, 360 degree surround view camera systems. Now, I still can't wrap my head around this one, Lou. This is the one where they will actually give you a bird's eye view of your car. 
like if there's a bird like 20 feet up and looking down on your car. I don't know how that how they do that. Somebody explained it to me once, and I still can't wrap my head about how they can actually do that. I think it's fascinating that they can actually give you a 360-degree and then a top view of your car. I don't know if they have a little uh, satellite camera that follows, <laughs> follows you around as you drive and waiting to be clicked on, but it's... Have you experienced that? Have you dri- ever driven a car with a 360 view like that? Because it's, it, I haven't. If I, yeah, I, I'm not aware that I have, meaning that I may have driven a car that has that feature, and I just don't think about it. Yeah. So unless somebody said, hey, Lou, check this out, then I would probably know it. Um but not that I'm aware of. Okay. And then another thing they talk about here is a nice-to-have convenience feature, and I'm kind of back and forth on this. The auto-dimming mirrors. Now, I don't mind an auto-dimming side-view mirror. I think that's that's a nice thing to have because if there's some jackass behind you with his high beams on and it's blinding you not only in your center v- rear-view mirror but your side-view mirrors, I think it's great to have auto-dimming side-view mirrors. The... Auto-dimming rear-view mirror I have in several of my cars, including even the Fiat. And the only thing that annoys me with that is it's either on or it's off. There's there's no control that you can actually physically, you know, make it darker or make it lighter if you want. It just senses a car behind you and dims it. But sometimes, to me, it just never seems like it's dimmed enough. And I don't know why they don't have any kind of adjustability with it. So that's my major complaint with that. That's really something I can take or leave. Um, I'm sure your Lincoln has that, right? A auto dimming rearview mirror. Yeah. Do you? How do you find that? Do you like it or not? Um, you know, I haven't thought about it. So to answer, you know, there, there's like, for example, I would think about a heated seat. Yeah. Uh, I would think about uh, probably the auto dimming. Um, but since I'm not thinking about it, I guess that means it's not impacting me enough to or put just, anything behind it. Or you just haven't driven it at night enough, so. <laughs> yeah, that could be the case. Yeah. I mean, or, or it's been on and off and I, you know, wasn't impacted by it. Yeah. Um, some other uh, nice-to-have things here that are saying, I'll just kind of run through these quickly. Fast USB charging, that would be to charge your cell phone at a higher rate so it recharges quicker. Keyless entry, which I actually like. Um, I have that in a couple of my cars, and I've found it to be uh, actually a pretty nice feature to have. Multi-zone climate systems, either a, a dual zone or tri-level or even quad level for rear seat passengers is a nice thing to have. Um, head-up display, that to me that seems pretty old school these days. I mean, it's been around for a long time. It never seems to have that much of a penetration into the market. I've never driven a car with a head-up display, so to me it's a, something I wouldn't. I wouldn't really care to have. They say heated seats and steering wheel. We're both on board with that. Um, various uh, uh, different adjustments for your power seat. They say height adjustable lumbar, uh, which would be moving your lumbar support up or down vertically so you can kind of hit the sweet spot. A Wi-Fi hotspot, eh, I don't know. A wireless charging pad, I think that could be a, a neat thing because you don't have to plug anything in. And, and where's your phone usually in the car? It's either in your pocket or laying down on the console somewhere. So if you can lay it down and charge while you drive, I think that's a good thing. Um, and then real quick, there's a couple things that they talk about features to skip since we're performance oriented uh, drivers who wouldn't necessarily agree with what consumer report says here they say a feature to skip would be a bigger wheel and low, lower profile tires that's just because most people um, are going to be hitting potholes and curbs and bending their rims and finding out 
uh, new rims how much? $1,500? I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> so um, I can see why they say that. Built-in nav systems, actually, that's kind of going by the wayside because everybody uses Google Maps these days on their phone. One thing they did say that they, they think is not worth the money, and this is interesting because it's a safety feature, is lane-keeping assist. And I'm glad that they're coming out against that. That's that annoying um, feature that if you if you start to drift uh, into the next lane or across the center line, your your car will either give you an audible warning or it'll vibrate your seat or it'll vibrate your steering wheel. It's just like forget it. It's just really really annoying. Um, rear entertainment units that would be just for like DVDs or something for the kids in the back back part of the seat so again if they have their phone they're probably streaming something uh as you drive anyway so including the car guys report that's the beauty of podcasting you can you can stream us and listen to us while you drive your car but lou of course your your insight to some of those items is uh, definitely uh, well uh taken and appreciated because you are uh very insightful from time to time and i do appreciate your 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 knowledge your depth of knowledge i guess is what i'm saying well, thank you, Mike. Uh, we're at the point in the program where we want to talk about a car that was uh, recently bought or sold online or somewhere else. This one, again, it comes from, don't want to sound like a broken record, but bring a trailer. And this is an example of the kind of really neat cars that pop up on this website. And this is one, Lou, that I don't think you've ever seen. If you have one of these on your website, I will be uber impressed. Uh, my car story with Lou. But this is a 1969 Mazda Cosmo Series 2. It was one of the first rotary sports cars that Mazda ever made. Uh, only sold, uh, as I believe, in, in the J- Japanese domestic market. It was never sold here. It's got covered headlights. It's a two-seat. It kind of looks like a, a little bit like an Alfa Romeo Spider. Uh, it's a two-door hardtop. Uh, definitely a, a, just a two-passenger car. It's got the cool uh, Japanese uh, mirrors out on the fenders, which always looks cool. But this thing was a, a two-rotor, 10A rotary engine. It said it has 27,000 miles on it. That's that's uh, unknown, but if it's original mileage, it's not bad. This one actually was for sale in Queensland, Australia. Um, it needs a little bit of love, but I said it was um, well-bought. It needs a work. It runs and presents fairly well. It sold for $62,444, this uh, 1969 Mazda Cosmo Series 2. A car, I guarantee, wherever you would drive this car, I mean, it looks, to me, it looks just as radical and as cool as like a Lamborghini Miura or, a, you know, any kind of like Ferrari. It's just, it's such a cool car and you just don't see them. They, they, they didn't make that many of them. And for 62 grand, I thought that was well bought because it needs some work, but where are you going to find another one? I don't know what the total production was, but it's a very, very cool car. And, um, I'm glad to see that uh, that it uh, sold. It was on Bring a Trailer. That's the kind of neat stuff you can see uh, on that uh, website. If you like uh, the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we certainly hope that you do. Be sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like the Opie Show called And Friends. 
And Friends is all about those conversations that real friends have. Tommy, Kimmy, and Samuel discuss history, sex talk, blatant narcissism, and more. Some very deep thoughts there, I tell you. Some come, uh, so come meet your uh, new best friends and uh, join them on the uh, Opi production podcast called And Friends. You can go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts to search for Radio Misfits. And that's where you'll find us. The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with Lou Costable. Lou at uh, Chateau Costable in his uh, sweatpants and his t-shirt, just relaxing, probably drinking a nice tea as we're uh, doing this podcast. And we're at the point here, your buddy Lee, uh, what's his name, McKeel Haggerty? That's his first name, McKeel? McKeel Yeah. Sure. This comes from uh, his insurance company, 10, I'm calling them bull market cars on the rise. Of course, we're not in a bull market right now. We're in a bear market, although the market has been doing relatively uh, good recently. But these are 10 cars that... Um, Haggerty thinks are on the rise. Ten collector special interest cars. And I'll just go down the list in no particular well, order. Wait, wait, wait. Before you do that, yeah. I guess, first of all, I want to make sure we're clear. Okay. <laughs> are they actually all cars? Uh, there is two, three SUVs. Okay. See, yeah. that, that is not a cars list, but uh, I and I get it. So, um, okay, so let me take a crack at uh, one of the cars in the upmarket. Uh, I'm going to say um, uh, 79 through 95 Mustangs. Uh, not on this list, no. Okay. Um, let me go with uh, uh, 70s Trans Ams. I think they're already on the rise, so so that's that they're not on this list. They've already risen. Okay, so go ahead. Um, Yeah, this is a little bit of everything in here. It's got some uh, Asian, some European, some American, and some uh, SUVs. One that I agree with definitely, and I've seen these prices going up, is the 70 to 76 Porsche 914, Uh, especially if you, you know, the 914 6s, which were in the, the first year, excuse me, 1970. Those have always commanded a premium in value, and they've they've gone six figure cars these days. But just a run of the mill nine fourteen, uh, I agree with as a car on the rise. Um, you can still find a pretty nice one in the maybe fifteen thousand dollar range, but you have to be careful because they do tend to be uh, rust buckets. But um, you know the mechanicals are VW, so not a big uh, expense there. But they're fuel injected and there's some peculiarities that you have to deal with with those the 1970 through 1995 land rover range rover now we're talking about the original one not the one with the tire spare tire on the hood but the kind of the original range rovers before they got super super luxury but uh, they've definitely picked up in in um in collector interest lately. I've definitely seen that. Um, a quirky car, Lou, remember the Honda CRX, that little two-door, diminutive two-door that Honda made? The CRX? I'm, 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 I'm running it through through my head. Uh, they were made from 88 through 91, so only had a, about a three-year production run, and they were a very small two-seat car. 
Um, I'm trying to think what if it had any kind of uh, at the at the time any contemporary uh, competition. The back, yeah, the back the back uh, the back hatch had a, a window in the back of it. Oh, you're thinking of the well. There was the Honda Del Sol. I think that's what you're thinking of. The Honda Del Sol kind of was a almost looked like a Porsche 914. It had kind of that squared off look with a target top. I think, but it had the window you're talking about. The CRX was a little three-door hatchback, but it was small. Very short wheelbase. Almost like a like a modern version of the old Honda 600. Okay. Yeah, very small. Um, they only made them, like I said, for three years here, four years. So that's why probably they're on the list because there are not that many of them that, that's hung around and people are you know, getting interested in them. The uh, Acura Type R Integra, um, I can see uh, that being a, a car that uh, has had some interest for a while, and apparently it's it's becoming more, uh, the Type R especially, because that was the uh, performance-oriented version. The uh, BMW Z3 M Roadster from 1998 to 2002. That was uh, one of the f- the, um, the first uh, Z3s that came out. The now this is one that probably you've probably forgotten all about, Lou, because I even forgot about this until I read it again. In 1990 through 1995, Volkswagen made a car called the. Do you remember? Jetta. No. Jetta? The Corrado. Okay. It was kind of a modern interpretation of the old Sirocco, if you remember that, from the late 70s, okay. early 80s, or uh, mid-70s, actually. Uh, but the VW Corrado was a supercharged car. It was uh, not really funky looking, but it just never set the world on fire. Again, I don't know how many of those are around, so that's probably one reason it's on the list. A couple more uh, SUVs, the 1984 through 2001 Jeep Cherokee. And this one I totally agree with. We've covered uh, a bring-a-trailer sale, I think, or a Hemming sale um, on this one before. 1971 through 1980, International Harvester Scout. I totally agree with that. Scouts are neat cars or neat neat SUVs. Definitely um, picking up in, in Collector Valley. I think the one that we highlighted on a previous edition of the Car Guys Report sold for something like... Thirty or 40000 so they can definitely command some decent money if they're in good shape. Uh, 1999 through 05 Ferrari 360s. And I saved the best for the last, Lou. 1996 through 02 Viper GTSs. <laughs> nice. so Lou's like, oh, well, okay. There we go. See? See, honey? You're going to go to your wife? See? I yeah. knew this was a good investment. <laughs> it, it, it's moving up. But, um, yeah, the Viper's on there. I think that... Uh, now, what was, what exactly was the GTS versus... Was that just the coupe that you have, or was the, it the G- something else? Yeah, the GTS uh, uh, was the coupe after the RT10 was yeah. the, uh, I'll call it, target top yeah, liftoff. Yeah, exactly. And, and then the horsepower was improved. Uh, the regular Viper had 400. The GTS, I believe, at 460, 465. Um, so it was a, it was a little more horsepower, and um, you know, so that was so that was the uh, uh, the hard top and kind of the bubble to the top was the uh, was the was the, the look, and and that, uh, you had a little tail, a little little spoiler to the uh, to that car too okay and then in your car is it's not considered a gts it's just called the coupe or 
Yeah. Uh, mine was the 2006 is the first year for the coupe. Okay. Uh, after three years of convertible. Okay. So three, four, and five were convertibles. And uh, six was the coupe, and then no Vipers in seven, and then eight, nine, and ten was the coupe. And then after that, uh, 13 through 17 was just coupes. Yeah. Wow. It's so weird how they just, you know, stopped and started the, the Viper lineup <laughs> over the years like that. Um, I always thought the coupe was the was the pick to click, and that's why I like your car so much, because it's just awesome. It's awesome looking. Yeah, thank you. It is. It's great. So Lou's going to go to his garage and take a look at his Viper, and I'm going to go wash my hands again, because uh, it's not exactly a dirty environment here at uh, the Car Guys Report warehouse. We actually keep things nice and clean, but it is a working warehouse, and there's always some brake dust or something in the air. So I'm going to go wash my hands. We'll be right back after this. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable, and... You know, I always ask you a lot of questions, Lou, because you're just the kind of guy I want to ask questions about. Uh, how are you with Legos? Did you uh, play I'm, with them as a I, kid? And Well, I played with them as an adult because I have kids. Yeah. And uh, um, I, just before we jump into the Lego, which I want to talk about, by chance, while we were on the break, I punched in the word Viper Coop. Okay. And actually, the very first video that came up was yours. Was a 2006 Dodge Viper SRT 10 Coupe, which, to your point, is my car that's videoed there on my car story with Lou. See, so, so yeah, so I was uh, I was first to click on Viper Coupe. You are Google. You are more than just a legend in your own mind, Lou. <laughs> Google finds me as a legend. <laughs> exactly. That just means I've been doing it so long that the, that the web crawler is going to be first. They go, oh, God, if Constable's got it, we'll that, just do him, whatever. That is the way to do it. Uh, Lego, I've always uh, enjoyed Legos as a kid, and every now and then, um, yeah, I think I have some Star Wars Lego kits at home, like these small ones. But I don't know. I guess these are for adults, and this is... Um, this is neat. Um, actually, this was put together by a 12-year-old. This is, again, coming from Dan Neal. It says, for our kids' issue, Dan Neal let his inner... Oh, his his inner 12-year-old write this column. So, actually, Dan Neal did put this thing together. It And they have more than just the Bugatti Chiron. Um, you might look at the, the model and say Chiron, C-H-I-R-O-N, but it's pronounced Chiron. And uh, Lego makes a Bugatti Chiron. They also make, I think, a couple other high-end uh, exotic cars. But this is a Lego kit, Lou. It's got 3,599 pieces to it. Um, you can get it at lego.com. It costs 350 bucks, so it's not cheap. But it is just... It's cool. I mean, it still kind of looks like uh, something from Mad Max because it has a bunch of funky kind of panels on it. But a lot of it is functional, though the doors open and the wheels turn and things like that. But this is Dan Neal saying, The box was awesome and heavy. Five smaller boxes were inside. The blue metallic wheels were displayed face up in their own box and four neat cutouts. Inside each of the boxes were bags and bags and bags of parts, including hundreds of black, red, blue, short, and long connectors. The bags are numbered in a way that you might think you would use up each bag before moving on, but many times the part you need is in the next bag. It's like a meme. The instruction manual, get this, is broken up into 
into two books covering 970 steps, a total of 620 pages of illustrations to put this uh, Bugatti Chiron Lego model together. He says... uh, McNeil says he got off to a good start but slowed down once I came to the gearbox, which was the first thing. Uh, he says he spent two hours on Saturday pulling apart a hunk, a huge hunk of stuff he had just put together to replace a wrong-sized piece. You know those tests they give you at school to judge spatial reasoning? <laughs> I think they call it uh, where you have to uh, be able to turn something over and over in your imagination. That's the thing about these Technic kits. That's what they call Lego Technic, T-E-C-H-N-I-K. And I guess that's why they're so fun. He said in the, in the end, he got it built. It took him four days. And at the end, he had to dig into his trash bag of old Legos because I was missing four stupid little connectors. How can they let that happen? But now I have to admit, I'm glad I finished it. 3,599 parts uh, for this uh, Bugatti Chiron or Chiron as it's uh, correctly pronounced. I think it's pretty cool, Lou. 350 bucks is a little bit uh, on the on the high end, but I got to hand it uh to not only to Lego for making something like this, but think about just the engineering that went in to make this kit. You know, yeah, I, I, I have two reactions. One is while you were talking about how many pages and how many boxes, my uh, my arms were folded and my head was in my hands because <laughs> I have a 24 year old and a 15 year old, and you just brought back all the memories of the Christmases that I spent hours upon hours <laughs> of putting together Legos. Uh, to build whatever it was that we got for Christmas yeah. and birthday, and it, it I mean the uh, for three hundred and fifty dollars, although that is expensive, it seems like for a chunk of plastic. You're absolutely right. When you think about the level of design and time and effort that these people had to put this thing together, that is almost like uh, a massive discount to have $350. Yeah, it only comes uh, out to $0.10 cents a piece of the 3,599 pieces of, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, you know, Lego there. So if you look at it from that standpoint, it's pretty, pretty affordable. Well, if you, think about, if you think about what your lawyer makes an hour, okay, and now you're talking 350 bucks for a Lego set. So for one hour of lawyer time, you get an entire Lego set that's going to have tons of enjoyment versus potentially tons of pain that you have to pay a lawyer fee. <laughs> so, so my point is when you put things in certain perspective and the amount of time that it took. Now, here's the only problem with that. Once you're done with the Lego, well, you're done with the Lego and you want no one to touch it or exactly. breathe on it yeah. you're close to it. And you put stanchions around it, and you basically get into a martial arts stance because you want no one to get near it, you know, because you're afraid that they're going to drop it off the dining room table straight onto the dining room floor. Yeah, yeah. I, you're, you're, you're entirely right there, but that's why it is kind of an adult thing. And I know that I had read um, that during the lockdown and the times that we're in now where a lot of people are spending a lot of time at home that um, – sales of car model kits have actually gone way up and it's one of the things that people are rediscovering like baking bread and just some more of the simpler times and this is i think the perfect kind of pandemic exercise that people could really get into is 
buying something like this and, and having the joy and frustration of uh, putting it together. But, I mean, this thing is so detailed. It says here that um, each uh, cylinder in the engine on this, on this Lego model has its own block, its own piston, its own conrod, its crankshaft, and they're all different colors, and it's got gears and sprockets and just everything. It's just amazing. I mean, the detail, that, like we said, the detail and the engineering that just went in to produce this thing is just stunning. And plus you could say, like, hey, I have a Bugatti Chiron now. And it only costs 350 bucks instead of the, you know, $2.5 million or whatever the thing costs in, in real life. But um, I think it's neat. I just wanted to bring that up because um, uh, I should actually go to Lego and, and see what other models they have because I know they have other. I think they had. I want to say they had a Lamborghini or something, but I'm not positive on that. But I know that this uh, Chiron was something that really caught my eye, and I had to actually uh, go to Google to figure out how to pronounce Chiron correctly because I tried to uh, be correct here. and Oh, and one other thing, too. It's a one-eighth scale. So the thing's pretty big. If it's one-eighth scale, that means if you would line up eight of the Legos and and it would be as long as the real car is, and eight stacked up would be as high as the real car is, and eight wide. So it's it's a big thing. It's not this tiny little thing, but it's a neat thing, and definitely if you're interested, check it out at lego.com. You can also get it at uh, Amazon as well, too. So, when you're listening to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, and you could be listening to us just about on any platform, we're available on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeart, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, we're everywhere. You can also uh, just go right to Radio Misfits and find us there. You can type in Car Guys Report on Google, and hey... They will direct you there as well. And when you're listening to us, please subscribe. You'll get an automatic push notification whenever there is new content, and that's about once a week. You'll also uh, be able to uh, be listening at your own terms, whether you're listening on your laptop, your desktop, your tablet, your phone, wherever you are listening or whatever you're listening on, all the Radio Misfits podcasts are free, and it's listening on your own terms. Fast forward, rewind, replay, delete, whatever you want. You can do it with the uh, Radio Misfits podcast. They're all free, and that's what podcasting is all about. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with Luke Hostable, and it's Lou's favorite part of the program here. It is the My Car Story with Lou guessing game. He's going to definitely, I, I bombed last episode. So, Lou, how are you going to embarrass me this time? Well, let's define the rules for those who may be on this game show for the first time so uh i have a youtube channel called my car story with lou and you could video your own car and put it on the channel or your own channel of course and uh you would get completely different results than i would but the goal to this game is that i've had some cars out for uh months and then uh uh, I uh, take one, uh, three of them that are in the same week, so we're in the same time span, and we determine uh, by guessing which car has the most views. So the goal is to pick car number one, number two, number three by order of views. So I always pick the first or the oldest one first. So these three cars that are coming up this time, we're starting with a 1954 Packard Caribbean convertible. Mm. Black and white. Uh, and he, uh, uh, the pink, I think it was black, white, and pink, I thought were the, were the uh, one, of, or maybe that's the later Caribbeans were with that tritone, but that's an awesome car. 
1954 Packard wow. Caribbean convertible in black and okay. white. Yep. Number two, a 1971 Pontiac GTO hardtop coupe in gold with the 455 HO engine sounds. Okay. And all of these have engine sounds. The last one, though, does include a ride. The 1972, and you talked about it earlier, a Porsche 914 with 18,000 original miles wow. and engine sound your ride. What so color? Got it. it is uh, gray. Hmm. Interesting. So we have a 1954 Packard Caribbean convertible. Remember, these are all by age of cars. The oldest is the first. A 1971 Pontiac GTO hardtop coupe in gold with a 455 HO engine. And a 1972 Porsche 914 with 18,000 original miles. And this episode as well, I will share that these are 2,000 uh, views apart apiece. Oh, okay, so wow. A pretty good spread. This isn't a close one where it's neck and neck. I'm going to go with the uh, the gold GTO, number one, the uh, Caribbean Packard, number two, and the 914, number three. Ding, 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 ding. All ding, three. Mark. I did it. All three. Awesome. Mark Vernon. Cool. Nailing the topic. There. See, he still knows what's up sometimes. <laughs> there you go. So the GTO had 7,759 views. The Packard Caribbean had 5,046. And the Porsche had 3,021 wow. Cool. Yeah, so so uh, nicely done. The GTO was first. The Packard was second, and the Porsche came in third. I think partly the GTO just because of the color, maybe. You know, it's 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 a pretty bright, uh, cool muscle car color. And, 70, and, and GTOs are just cool, though. The seventy one's a little unique, and here's the reason why. The the you when you think of GTO. Generally, you think of 60s GTO, you think of the Coke bottle shape, or you think of the hideaway headlights, the Chevelle kind of looking body style GTO. Yeah. So when, so when you see a 71 and the grill has this, uh, uh, I'll call it a screen-like face to it where it's in chrome and it's you know crossed uh, like, like a uh, chain link fence. Uh, along with some hood scoops on top, the uniqueness of it and the fact that it screams the letters GTO on that grill do tend to catch your attention because you're like, not only is it a GTO, but it's like, I don't see many GTOs like that. Yeah. Then again, you don't see many 54 uh, Packard Caribbean. No. Either. No, No, those are, you know, getting towards the last gasp of Packard and, and uh, those are really, uh, they're, 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 they're gorgeous cars, massive, well-built and, uh, you know, truly classic. So I'm glad I got, uh, got them all. So when do I get my award, my trophy? I, your, your trophy is all uh, uh, just a pat on the back. and uh, <laughs> Good old attaboy, right? <laughs> yeah, but, but the other thing I do want to mention regarding that Packard, so I've been told, uh, is that the Packard hood on a Caribbean has like this lead lining because it has like this little hood scoop to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this lead lining makes that hood about 300 pounds. Wow. And why would they have done that? For, for just quietness or... Or I, you know, I don't stability? know. But I'm, just, I, I'm just thinking, you know, the, to try to pick up 300 <laughs> pounds, even even the, to just take that off 
and the springs that have got to be yeah, yeah know, massive counterbalance springs. To, yeah. Now, now that's wow. what I've been. I, I haven't taken a hood off. I haven't experimented with this, but I mean, just to try to lift something like that, sure. uh, you know, would be. I mean. I think my garbage can has something like a 250-pound limit to it, and it's got wheels on it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard, hard pushing it out to the driveway, I think, with uh, with a full family well, that, load. Lou, that's when mechanics were real men, not not these guys that plug in the, the code readers now, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can pick that up or a section of it. I mean, holy cow. Wow. That's cool. Well, I'm glad I, I, I did it. I did well this time. That that gives yeah, me encouragement no, you, for next time. You, you couldn't have done any better. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds great. Well, of course, the uh, channel that Lou is on is My Car Story with Lou on YouTube. Uh, 1,600 uh, uh, videos, uh, closing in on 80,000-plus subscribers. Definitely check it out. Some incredibly cool stuff that you will see on uh, that uh, YouTube channel. So that is great. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, it's an incredible, and I'm talking incredible price that was paid recently for a 1972 Chevy Blazer. Plus alternatives to the new Porsche 911, that and so much more on the next episode of the Car Guys Report. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have had you with us. Mark Vernon along with Lou Costable saying a big thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Car Guys Report. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opi is hippo, spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place, and that would be RadioMisfits.com. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including OPIShows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of OPI Productions. Tony, can you shut up? On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, Premier League season may be over, but this week we have the Champions League. We've got some great ones. You've got Juventus, Man City, Real Madrid, Bayern, Chelsea, Barcelona, and Napoli. Should be a great weekend of matches. Some of the greatest teams in the world. Listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. If you missed Losano or Losano and friends, here's what you missed. Can women play in sports with men? Mm -hmm. My argument is that I don't think they can. I'm just saying if they can do it, let them do it. If they can't do it, it's the same qualifications. Evie and I were talking about basketball, and she doesn't feel that women could play basketball, but then she described this guy named Derek Rose. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know enough about this stuff, but she was like, he's like a girl. Well, okay. Um, Holy hold shit. on, hold on. This is oh awesome. My he, God. Tony, Tony says things. Tony says things just for people. Mike, Mike so, yeah. First yes, of all, is. first of all, Tony doesn't even know Derek Rose. Uh, I said that a girl, because there's a WNBA, and, and I think women are incredible athletes and they're incredible competitors. Um, but I don't think that they could play at the same level as professional you said as a man. Boring and slow. All right, you need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Radio Misfits. Get more. Lozano and Friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lozano. <laughs> <laughs>
or whatever it's called. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we talk about a Chevy Blazer that sold for a ridiculous amount. Plus, a discussion about alternatives to the latest Porsche 911. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>